You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi T. Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.gmail.com. And, of course, I will answer as many as I can. So here's a good word for this week. The word is selfless. That is a good word. Maybe you think of Mother Teresa. Maybe you never heard of Mother Teresa. Maybe you think of a teacher or a parent. Hopefully, we all learn to be giving. That's the goal, right? We all want to be givers. We know children are takers, parents are givers. At the end of the day, we know giving is the right thing to do. And as we always discuss, there's different levels, you know, of where we're heading towards, where we're at right now. But this week's Torah portion, I believe we have the greatest act of selflessness that you, would, that you can imagine. And I'm going to explain why. The, the, this act was so amazing. And it's with Rachel. We're going to learn about Rachel in this week's Torah portion. Um, but I happen to have seen a story this week about a person, I don't think anybody would accuse this person of being selfless. I don't think so. Um, but such a great story. I figured, I'm going to share it anyways. And then we'll talk about what it means to be selfless. But of course, before we get to the story, um, I just want to remind everyone, all my dedicated listeners, I know how much you guys love the show, and I do need your help to get the show to spread and to keep it going. I need you to go to my homepage, hit that donate button, Leave a name, give you a shout out, do a memory of, happy birthday, happy anniversary, whatever works for you. And in advance, I thank you. So what's this story? It's actually called Michael Jordan's Philosophy on Life. You may not know that Michael Jordan had a philosophy on life, but he actually did. And the story is told... um, Someone, uh, the person writing the story is about his teacher. His teacher's name was Rabbi Benjamin Friedman. I do not know him. But uh, this Rabbi Benjamin Friedman was an interesting fellow. He was a teacher. And uh, he dealt with teenagers, I believe. And he was, and one of his, this, the guy telling the story was helping this uh, Rabbi Friedman put up his sukkah before the holidays. And they needed to go to Home Depot for anybody who puts up a sukkah. Without fail, you're running to Home Depot or Lowe's or whoever your hardware store is. You need some wood, you need some nails, you need some screws. I needed a drill this year. And interesting enough, before, you know, when you're putting together your sukkah, especially, you know, the older ones, the newer ones are so easy, you can wear your white shirt and your tie and and you're fine. But... The older sukkahs, you know, you got the panels and boards and they're dirty and you're schlepping and you're and, and you gotta get the schach and the roof on top and nail things in and boards and it's a whole you know, it's a it's it could take people a couple hours. And uh this Ray Friedman had to run, had to make a run 
to Home Depot. But before he went, he rolled down his sleeves, fixed his tie, put on a jacket, and the person telling the story was like, whoa, you're going to Home Depot. Who, who, who exactly is in Home Depot? All the guys in Home Depot are the worker guys. The jeans, the, the T-shirts, the baseball hats, the boots. These are guys that are getting their hands dirty. I'm putting on a tie and jacket to go to Home Depot, even though somebody like this Rabbi Friedman, who was a teacher, was generally walking around in a hat and jacket and a tie, but going to Home Depot. So the person telling the story says, I said to Rabbi Friedman, I said, why are you getting dressed up for Home Depot? So Rabbi Friedman said to him, I have the Michael Jordan philosophy on life. Did you know, I did not know this, that Michael Jordan used to put on a suit and tie even to walk from his hotel room to the team bus. So somebody asked him, Michael, you're going on a team bus. Why are you putting on a tie and jacket just to get on the team bus? So Michael Jordan responded as follows. He says, this might be the only opportunity that someone has to see, to see me, to see Michael Jordan. And I want them to see me at my very best. Well, Rabbi Friedman says, our visit to Home Depot may be someone's only opportunity to see a Jew and a rabbi. And I want them to see me at my best. The person saying over this story was really getting into anti-Semitism. And he said, the idea is when we're worried about anti-Semitism is not to hide that I'm Jewish. Right? And I was, I want people to see a Jewish person at their best. Will that help anti-Semitism? Probably not. But at least there will be people out there that if this is their only encounter with an Orthodox rabbi, with somebody Jewish, let him see me at my best. Let him at least be able to, to have a good impression. I thought that was a great story. It has absolutely nothing to do with what I want to talk about this week, but it was such a good story I wanted to share. So, we have to find out about the selflessness of Rachel. So let's get into the story. Let's see if we can figure it out. So Jacob is coming to Haran to get married. He does not know that his soon-to-be father-in-law has two daughters. The older one's name is Leah. The young one's name is Rachel. He does not know that for years, people, whoever these people have been saying, oh, Rebecca has two sons. Eleven has two daughters. Let the older daughter marry the older son. That would be Leah to Esav. And let the younger daughter, Rachel, marry the younger son. That'll be Jacob. And he did not know that Leah, who had heard people talking, used to say when people traveled, oh, are you coming from the land of Canaan? You ever met my aunt, Rebecca? Oh, yeah, Rebecca, yeah. Isaac, Rebecca, sure, sure I know them. Did I have um, any boys? Oh, yeah, yeah, two boys. Two boys. Oh, yeah? Well, you know the older one? <laughs> the older one. The gangster? 
Um, I, 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 don't, I don't think so. You sure he's a gangster? You mean Asaf? Yeah, yeah, that, that's the one. The one who murders people and who kidnaps people's wives to uh, do what he wishes with them. Um, that guy? Uh, I sure hope not. But all the messages that Leia got about this older brother was he was a gangster. He was a monster. You know, wicked guy. May have been a smart person. May have been a very talented person. May have been somebody who was going to, nations were going to come from him that would rule the world. But at the end of the day, he wasn't a good guy. So it says the eyes of Leia were soft. She did a lot of praying, a lot of crying, because she doesn't want to marry Asaph. She wants to marry Jacob. Jacob doesn't know anything about this. He's just showing up in town. He shows up in Haran, and he meets up with the shepherds. Now, it happens to be in that area of the world. I can't tell you nowadays. But in those days, there was a tremendous water problem. As the wells that the shepherds would use had a very hard time collecting water. So whatever underground water there was, the water level did not rise very high every evening. It wasn't an overflowing well. So if the well would be just left to uh, whoever showed up, what was going to happen was one or two shepherds would get there early, take all the water for themselves, and no water left for anybody else. So the shepherds had a system. They had this humongous boulder that they kept over the mouth of the well. And one or two shepherds couldn't budge it. You basically needed all the shepherds to lean against this rock roll it over, and that way all the shepherds are there. We got to divvy up the water that uh, rose that night, and the sheep would survive. That's the situation that Jacob finds when he shows up in Haran. He sees all these shepherds, and in his mind, it's way too early. He himself knew how to be a shepherd. It is too early in the day to be watering your sheep. Your sheep should be grazing longer. They should be pasturing whatever sheep do. And he asked the shepherds, what are you guys doing here so early? So they told him, they said, they explained to him the water situation. That, all, that we all have to get together here because uh, otherwise someone's going to come early and the rest won't have water and the sheep will die. Okay. And he starts to ask about Lavan and they say, yeah, his daughter, Rachel's coming, she's the shepherd. When Jacob sees her, he has a heavenly inspiration he realizes this is whom he's supposed to marry. And he takes the stone by himself. He's a massively strong person, but it's all spiritual. He picks up the stone by himself and tosses it to the side. And the water level rises all the way to the top of the well. In other words, we find by numerous people in the Bible that the water levels will rise for them. We find this story with Rebecca. Um, we find a similar story with Moses. You know, this concept of the water rising to the top is not unusual. The father in Lavan tells people sometime later, he says, we have no more water problems. The water comes to the top of the well, but don't think this is forever. The only reason the water has risen to the top is because of my nephew Jacob. We got to do whatever we can to keep Jacob in town. So, if Jacob ever leaves town, you come and tell me, I'll bring him back. So the townspeople said, how are we going to know? How are we supposed to know? It may be shepherding. How do we know he's leaving town? So Lovin said, 
if the water level drops back to what we're used to, instead of being at the top of the well, you know that Jacob has left town. And that we have to make sure it doesn't happen. Okay, perfect. Um, okay, he has no money with him. He was robbed. That's a different story. We're not getting into that story. Anyways, Rachel brings love and ho- brings Jacob home to her father. And Lohan comes to greet him. He's looking for the money. He's patting him down. He's checking him out. And Jacob says, I was, uh, I was robbed. I have no money. So after a month of hanging out and Jacob taking care of the sheep, Lovin says to Jacob, so what are you doing here? Like, what do you want? He says, I want to marry your younger daughter, Rachel. So Lovin says, great, but you have no money. You're going to have to work for it. What's she worth to you? So Jacob says, seven years. I'll work for seven years, and that will, that will pay that you allow me to marry your daughter. That's a crazy number. Like, what do you pick such a, a number for? So one of the simple answers is that Rachel's a little girl right now. She's all of five years old. You're not marrying a five-year-old. And she's 12, and she's old enough to have children. Now you're ready to marry her. So that's where the number seven years came from. That's at least one answer. It's a good answer. It works. From that time on, because Lovin has all kinds of plans, Jacob will not see the girls till he marries, till he gets married. Now, Jacob had been forewarned that Lovan is a shyster, a trickster, a guy that uh, will do whatever he could to get whatever he could out of you. So he told Rachel, he says, look, I'm planning on marrying you, but we need to do something to uh, make sure that your father doesn't pull a switch. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to teach you three laws that a Jewish mother needs to know. You're going to know these laws. And by you knowing these laws, I'm going to ask you to repeat the laws back to me when we're by the chuppah or by the wedding canopy, and I'll know it's you. Great. What are three laws? Uh, ladies separate some of the dough. When they're making a dough for, for bread, they have to separate a little piece of dough. That's called challah. It goes to the priest. Um, ladies light candles on Friday night. And a menstruating lady has to separate from her husband. That's called nida. Fine. So three laws. Three laws that a Jewish lady, Jewish women are responsible for. Okay. Seven years comes and goes. Jacob goes back to Lovin and says, Okay, I did my seven years. I'm becoming an old man. I got to get married. So so Lovin makes a whole party. The whole town is involved. Now, Lovin knows that he's going to be fooling Jacob. So part of getting the whole town involved is when he pulls a switch and he has Leah marry Jacob. Because Lovin figures that really Jacob wants Rachel. But I'm going to make up a story that he has to marry Leah first. It'll be too late by the time he finds out. We have this whole humongous crowd. The whole city is here. It's too embarrassing for Jacob to back out on the deal. So he'll just stay married to Leah I'll get another seven years of work. He's anyways making me fantastically wealthy because he got the water here and the sheep and he's a superstar shepherd and, and, uh, and I'm just overflowing. I'm just overflowing with the money now. So I'll get it for another seven years. After those seven years, I'll figure out what to do. And that works, by the way. In other words, he marries Leah. He doesn't realize it's Leah. We're going to get back to this in a second. 
The next morning, he realizes that it's not it's not Rachel. So he goes to Levin and says, hey, that's not the deal. So Levin says, look, in our town, we do not allow the younger sister to get married before the older sister. You you had to marry the older sister so you can marry the younger sister. Um, let's wait till the week of Sheva Brachas is over, the wedding feasts are over for a week, then I'll let you marry Rachel right away. And I trust you, even though you shouldn't trust me, but I trust you, you'll work another seven years, same deal, to marry Rachel. This way you get my two daughters, seven years each, and we're all happy. And uh, Jacob said fine, which is amazing. Um, And that's what he does. So we need to back up. Jacob had told Rachel to make sure that he wasn't fooled. He gave her what we call the simanim, the signs, these three laws. How did Leah know these three laws? So it says like this. What happened was, before the wedding, when Rachel saw that it was her sister that was going to be taken down to get married, she says to herself, my sister Leah, does not know these three signs that Jacob gave me. She will be, she has no idea. She will be massively embarrassed. How could I let my sister become massively embarrassed? Now, she could have said, you know, Jacob thinks he's marrying me. But look, look, our father wants him to marry you. Let me give you the, the signs. You need to know these three signs. That's like the password. That's like the secret code. And you'll be able to marry Jacob. She could have said that. Instead, she comes up with a story. She tells her sister, hey, Leah, you don't know Jacob so good. I know him a little better. So I know there's certain laws that he expects you to know. These are the three laws. Chala and Elokas Neiris and Nida, right? The taking off the dough and the lighting the candles. You tell him these three, three laws and he'll marry you because it's what he expects. This is what he expects his wife to know doesn't hint at all that that she's supposed to be getting married. Sure enough, Leah there's under the wedding canopy, and Jacob says, so what laws does a Jewish woman need to know? And she tells him, oh, it must be Rachel. And they get married, and the next morning, it says, he named Leah. What do you mean the next morning it was Leah? It was always Leah. And I told you, these are sisters. They probably look similar. He hasn't seen them for years, seven years. He doesn't recognize who's who. So, so in the morning, it's Leah. And really, he has the right to go ahead and say, no, no deal. This is not who I planned on marrying. You could dump her on the side of the road. Some say he realized he was pregnant already. He didn't want to do it. Or Lovin's plan worked. That, that he it's too embarrassing. But now, this is what I wanted to talk about, right? I told you that Rachel is the most selfless person ever. Rachel and Leah are not fools. They understand that the Jewish people is coming from Jacob. They understand there was Abraham. They understand there was Isaac and Rebekah. And now there's Jacob and his wife. Whoever his wife is, the Jewish nation will come from her. No guarantee that Jacob is going to marry multiple wives. Okay, so Jacob loved Rachel more. Too bad. I see God wanted me to marry Leah. I got my wife. My parents said, go get married. I got married. I am out of here. 
I can't spend another seven years for a second wife. What do I need a second wife for? Isaac only had one wife. Abraham had, had two wives, but really it was only to make sure that he was able to have Isaac. Otherwise, he would have just had Sarah. When Rachel gives those signs to allow Leah to marry Jacob, for all intents and purposes, she's signing her death warrant. Her life has no value. She, the Jewish people are coming from Jacob and his wife. No one can guarantee you that Jacob will say, oh, that was so nice of you, Rachel. You're such a good person. All right, I'll marry you also. Maybe not. Good reason to believe, maybe not. And still, Rachel was able to do it. But it gets even better. Besides that she's giving up her eternity to be the mother of the Jewish people, watch the attitude. And we're running out of time, but let's see if if I can get through it quickly. Look at the attitude that Rachel's going to have to protect her sister. You know, Jacob says, fine, I'm marrying Rachel also, so he's willing to work another seven years. Now, the fact of the matter is, if a husband has more than one wife, you can only imagine, you know, that things can get in the way between the different wives. And Leah has many children, and Rachel still has no children. And... One of Rachel's children, Ruvain, he was out in the field and he brings home some flowers. Some say it was just pretty flowers. Some say they had medicinal purposes, that they had the ability uh, to have a lady become pregnant. And Rachel sees the flowers on Leah's table. And Rachel says, can I have those flowers? And Leah says, sounds so mean. Leah says, it's your turn to have Jacob in your tent tonight. You're taking my husband. That's what Leah says. You're taking my husband and you want my flowers? So Rachel says, you know, tell Jacob he can hang out with you tonight. I, I want the flowers. Yeah, just by the way, you know, uh, LTD should have done this uh, for uh, as an advertisement for flowers. So, um, so if I'm Rachel... I say, one second here, sis. Listen to me, big sister. The only reason you're married to Jacob is because I was nice enough to give you the three signs. I could have not told you anything. Jacob would have seen through the, through the sham. He would have bounced you to the curb. He would have married me. I'd be the only one married to Jacob. And you, trial a lot, I don't know what your life would have looked like. But I didn't want you to get embarrassed. And you can't give me some stupid flowers. Like, come on. The fact that Leah can say to Rachel, you want my my husband and you want my flowers. The fact that Leah could say that has to mean that Leah has no inkling, no idea that she never should have married Jacob. She never understood that the those three signs, those three laws were... were not just what a Jewish woman needs to know, but that would tell Jacob who Rachel was so he wouldn't be fooled. And Rachel gave him away that act of selflessness. It wasn't just she was selfless to allow her sister to get married. She never even let on to her sister that she wasn't supposed to marry Jacob. Do you understand? There's two things happening here. First of all, she's being selfless, to allow Leah to not be embarrassed. And 
Rachel never lets on. Her whole life, Leia has no idea. Leia has no idea that she wasn't supposed to marry Jacob. She has no idea. But the music's playing. So the music's playing. So you know we gotta we gotta end it. I hope you guys enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all the wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know I can't do it without you. Thank you to the production team. We have David in the back. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time. I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobs, and you've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it.